and shout a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I love Jesus because he first loved me. <laughs> Are you excited? Well, let's pray. Amen. Father God, we thank you this morning. We thank you for your mercy. Your mercy is new every morning. It's fresh, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for fresh words from the man of God this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we thank you for a fresh bread of heaven. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we thank you for setting the captive free. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we praise you this morning. We thank you for destroying yoke, removing burden this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for signs and wonder this morning. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for everything. You said everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us. Lord, we come here with a thanksgiving. We enter into your gate with thanksgiving. We enter into your court with praise. Have your way, Lord, with the choir. Have your way with the musician. Have your way with your people this morning. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. 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 We're going to do things just a little different this morning in honor of Black History Month. We think about Sunday morning worship from all of those who have helped us to cross over. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11 chapter and around about the 19 verses, they teach the word of God to your children. When y'all sit it in thy house. Not only that, but from generation to generation. Do I have any witness today? Our grandmothers and our mothers, how they brought us and they taught us. And I can hear them when we would go to church on Sunday mornings. Someone would stand up and say, Whoa! 
brother, sister, would break out through me.
Oh, on me. Do y'all know that? Can y'all help us sing it? Shine. Oh, on me. Yeah. Let the light, oh Lord, from, from the lighthouse, would you let it shine? this morning about giving you ought to be excited 
part of God's commitment to you and me is to satisfy our mouth with good things. He is committed to bless your health. He is committed to bless your wealth. How do I know? Not only does he say he will satisfy your mouth with good things, he said your youth will be renewed as an eagle. So you can see your health and your wealth. Then the question must be asked, why is it then that many of us struggle in both of these areas? You need to know and I need to know so we don't allow the devil to, to continue to take advantage of us while we have a good religion. Religion will, will only take you so far. There's no scripture that says religion is what you need. But it says in all of your getting, get understanding. You will notice that the holdup is that there is a governor in the word of God. Any of these promises will not work if you don't honor God with what he called holy. Until you first return to him that which is holy, none of these promises will apply. It's a governor. When I say governor, I'm not talking about the office of the governor in Baton Rouge. There are things that governs equipment. We just had baptism yesterday and we could not hold the event because there's a governor that controls that machine. It tells that machine when the water gets so hot, cut it off. That's a governor, all right? A lot of equipment that you see around you has a governor. Even the temperature of this room, somebody has said it. They don't matter how, how many times that machine runs, it's a governor that says at this temperature level, cut it off. I remember we had, uh, we still have uh, the bus. When we first got our bus, we couldn't run fast with that bus. The King Willie Jackson kept asking the question, why is the bus moving slow? In fact, we were really embarrassed one time, and she's, he's there, he will tell you. We were hired to carry some people on our bus, brand new bus, and somebody else, some other charter company. So there's two companies now, and they were moving faster than us. And Dickie Jackson kept asking the question, I praise the guys, I praise 
but the boss won't move because it's a governor that has set the speed limit. I'm trying to show you some profound revelation of what is holding up your wealth. And we can shout all day, the governor still controls until you remove that governor. That's what Dickin Jackson did. He finally figured it out. And they took the bus to somebody, I don't remember what company in Dallas, and they say, set that governor so we can, we can fly like an eagle. Well, I want every member of this church to be able to fly like an eagle. Amen. What restricts a financial blessing for the most part is that we have not returned to God. That part of our earnings that God say is holy, don't touch it. This belongs to God. And as long as we're touching it, then our governor kicks in. He said, that's why you work, but you have nothing to show for it. He told the people, he said, you live in a house that looks better than the house of God. He said, you're not going to make it that way. So remove the governor so that you can prosper. Amen. I saw one of my preachers yesterday driving a brand new automobile. And I smiled. I told him I like the company I keep. You're supposed to be blessed. Beloved, I wish above all that you will prosper and that you will be in good health. It's twofold blessing. Don't let the devil steal it from you. Walk in obedience. Obedience brought blessing. You cannot afford to mess with God. All minds clear. Tell your neighbor, I got it. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful you have given us a church where we can learn where we can understand the word of God and thank you that you set the rules and you give us the choice, the opportunity to walk in obedience and be blessed Holy Spirit I've done my part but you the real deal Speak to the hearts of men and women. Touch their hearts. Reveal yourself to them in a very special way. Lord, I thank you that this house will be a land of more than enough. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers will come.
thank you to all of you that were able to watch the movies again. We are grateful to our movie theater ministry for making things happen for all of our church family. Also, I, I say thank you to those of you that were able to come with me to the city of Winsboro, Jonesboro, Louisiana. Praise the Lord. Thank you for taking out of your busy schedule to be here to, to support your pastor. Amen. Also, please permit me to remind every one of you that on this coming Saturday, I believe, we're going to have what we call a seminar on marriage and relationship. And this is for everybody. Please make plans to be there. This is not for troubled marriage. This is for all marriage. Me and my wife are going to be there because we want to learn. And we want to be able to help other people. Amen. And if you are not yet married, but you believe in God for marriage, you also need to be there so that we can learn. Uh, this is a one-day revival. By the way, revival is, <laughs> is not the old way that you come for two weeks or whatever. Those days are gone forever. Uh, but from time to time, it's wisdom to bring somebody else in. And you can always be assured that the people we are bringing in they are anointed and they are well trained and well seasoned in this area. In fact, this couple know a whole lot more than I do. Uh, they have PhD in marriage and counseling and they are ordained ministers of the gospel. They've pastored churches. They've been conducting marriage seminars throughout the nation and even in foreign countries. So come just like your car, every car needs tune-up. You have to change oil from time to time. So it's always good to explore how we can do better. It's always good to learn about all the landmines so that you don't fall into trouble. It's going to be this Saturday from 9 a.m. till 12 noon. And after the seminar, we're going to feed everybody present. I am told by the secretary that 28 of couples have registered. So the reason why we ask you to RSVP, whatever that means, um, well, don't worry about it. Uh, 
Just, we just want to know you're coming. Amen. And the reason why we want to know is because our caterer has been hired to prepare the food. So we don't want to waste God's money. All right? Amen. You see how this thing works? Now, I don't speak the French, but just call the church office and say me and my wife or me and my husband or me and my significant other will be there. And so they know how many places to prepare. All minds clear? I want to say thank you to all of you who are visiting for the first time. Will you please let me see your hand if you're in the house. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Anybody in this area? God bless you, sir. Anybody? God bless you. Well, come on, let's give the Lord God a clap offering for all of our guests. We appreciate you. We are grateful that you're here to worship with us. Can we all get up and just walk around and shake somebody's hand and love on them and, and just let them know we're grateful to see them. March 
the 29th, I'm sorry, the fifth Sunday in March, whatever that date is. You're the teacher. <laughs> what? 29th, praise the Lord. March 29th. You all get it together. The fifth Sunday in March. That's going to be our family and friends day. Amen. The planning committee, event planning committee, I was privileged to, to see them at work. And I am highly impressed they have, I see young people, middle-aged, it is a good day. It's good to see God preparing this church for the future. That is a wise move. So mark your calendar. They have requested the date. We have approved it for them. And we just want you to begin to get the word out and fight your loved ones in case you forget what family and friends day is all about. We want to see your friends and family come and worship with us. It's good to just have a date, one day in a year, with your loved ones to worship with you. We do everything together. Why not worship God together? Amen. And after church, you can fellowship all day. Amen. So mark your calendar, the fifth Sunday in the month of March. The church say amen. amen. Open your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Verse number nine. I'm grateful to all of you pastors here. Thank you for your presence. We're going to teach for a few minutes. And then we want to celebrate what Jesus did for us on Calvary. Matthew chapter five, verse nine. It says, blessed are what kind of people? For they shall be called the children of God. One way you can know if somebody is a Christian, one way you can know if somebody is a child of God, not how loud they shout, not how well they preach, but they do their best to keep the peace. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, help me to explain it to your people. You're the author of the Bible, not me. You are there 
when God the Father said, let there be. Nothing happened until the Holy Spirit moved. And Lord, we ask you again to move one more time. Move in the midst of your people. Heal our relationship. Help us to understand the hearts of God. Glorify yourself in this house. We shall be careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And the church say, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you five steps to resolve any conflict in your relationship. Five steps. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been preaching a series of lessons on relationship. And today I want to put a name to this series so I can move on to something else in the Word of God. Amen? And the goal of this meeting today is to show every one of us how to resolve conflict when it occurs in a relationship. Where that topic is premised on the reality that there's going to be a conflict. It's a given. When two different people come together in a relationship, guess what? There's bound to be conflict. In fact, to tell you how much the reality is, even in heaven, there was conflict. And there was war in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, as you take communion today, you need to also remember the main reason why Jesus came to this planet Earth is to resolve the conflict between us and God. So you have to see things in context. Yes, it was good he healed. Yes, it was good he fed some people. But the real reason why he came to this planet Earth Men and women were separated from God. And Jesus came to be the peacemaker. So today I want to show you and me how do you resolve conflict in a relationship? How do you restore your relationship? How do you reconcile when it seems like everything is falling apart? Ladies and gentlemen, please take note in a relationship. The two people involved in a relationship is like two boats on the sea of life. 
And both of them are going to be battered by water, by the winds and the waves. No one will escape the reality of the winds and waves of life. But the question is, while both boats are moving, are you driven towards each other or are you driven apart from each other? That's what we meant when we say conflict. And if you see the boat driven away from each other, there is a way that you can resolve the conflict according to the word of God. There is a way that you can restore your relationship based on the word of God. And that's what we want to learn today. The Bible said, please take note. Jesus was preaching one time. Many of us refer to his sermon as the sermon on the mountain. And in that sermon, he gave eight ways for anybody to be blessed. Sometimes you need to go and read that chapter. It literally spelled it out. If you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you do that, you're going to be blessed. One of those eight ways is what we're looking at today. One of the ways to be blessed, according to Jesus, is to be a peacemaker. He said, God blesses those who make peace. Peacemaking is not avoiding the problem. Peacemaking is not appeasing the other person. Some of you think to make peace, let me just sweep the matter under the rug. But that does not solve anything. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not peacemaking. In fact, to be honest with you, that's been a coward. When there is a problem and you ignore it, you're not helping your relationship. Peacemaking is not running away from the issue. Peacemaking is not avoiding something so obvious that even Ray Charles can see it. Why are we teaching about this kind of subject? I'll tell you why. Because there are too many people, too many relationships with unresolved conflicts. The conflict is there, and everybody is pretending everything is all right. Some people are in conflict for days, and yet they come to church and shout. Some people are in conflict for weeks. Some of them are pastors. Hey, don't turn me off. 
You'll be amazed. Some people are in conflict for years. They're living under the same roof, but you don't even know who you're living with. Too many people. It's not always just in love affairs. You'll be amazed how many Christians who profess to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, but they are in conflict with their own parents. You'll be amazed how many Christians are in conflict with their own children. We have to learn how to resolve this conflict. Please permit me to warn you about three things. These three things will happen if you ignore or neglect to address the conflicts in your life. Number one, it will block your fellowship with God. That's how serious it is. Having conflict with your children, with your spouse, your loved ones, even your co-worker, it will block fellowship. That's like trying to shout under a closed heaven. You cannot be right with God and be wrong with your spouse. I'm trying to help somebody. So shouting will be a good religion that makes you feel good. But it doesn't solve the problem. God made it very clear. No, I will not accept your praise. That is serious business. Amen, somebody. My brothers and my sisters, it means your vertical relationship and your horizontal relationship, at some point, they intersect one another. So you cannot just be right with God and be wrong with your loved ones. You cannot claim to be close to God and you are distant to your spouse. Well, let me give you some scriptures so you know these are in your Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. The Bible made it very clear. You cannot love God who you've never seen. Make sure it's in your Bible. You can read. You come and get happy about a God you've never seen but you hate people that you can see. You won't get along with somebody that is sleeping under the same roof with you. Ain't nobody shouting now. That's why I give you the scripture. Another thing you need to know, if you claim to love God, but you hate people, the Bible said you are what? A liar. A liar. 
in us something? Brother preachers, brother deacons, deaconesses, ministry leaders, pastors listening to me in the city, the Bible will not change its position. We have to adjust to God. You have to address the conflicts in your life. I am sick and tired of Christians telling me, well, I don't talk to my children no more. Well, me and my children, we don't get along. They're doing their own thing, I'm doing mine. It will cost you fellowship with God. Number two, you need to know when you are in conflict, it blocks your prayers. <laughs> I'm taking my time this morning. Why will you be praying to God and you can't get no answer? You're going to be watching other people blessed. It is very, very important that you partake of a God that says, when you call me, I will answer. But he sets some governors to govern it. Say, for example, he say, if you first have to humble yourself, he say, you have to turn from your wicked ways. So it's not just about pray, I will hear you. The Bible said, when you are out of whack in your relationship, God cannot hear you. I have to deal with that scripture myself. I was running a ministry and nothing was growing. I want every one of my children and daughters in the ministry to listen. Ministry don't go grow by effort. Turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It tells you exactly. I was struggling. I was pastoring this very church. Nothing was going on. I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I had conflict with my own spouse. It has nothing to do with how well you can sing. Some churches have the best choir. They cannot grow. God will not hear your prayer. I was mad. Sister Elizabeth was not the normal preacher wife. She don't wear a big hat. Get on my nerve. <laughs> she don't sing in the choir. She don't make a speech. And at some point, the devil was making me think maybe I made the wrong decision. So I just decided I'm just going to move on and build this ministry without her. But guess what? It never moved one inch. Until God revealed to me, until you do right with your wife. I'm trying to help somebody. You can wear three-piece suit and serve communion until Jesus come back. If you are not right with your wife. 
nothing will grow. And the day I caught that revelation, all of a sudden this church took off. That's why I tell people all the time, you see the glory, but you don't know my story. But this man, I've been notoriously transparent. Open up the ball game so that I can win some for Christ. Paul said, I've become all things to all men. Look at the scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, you husband, be considerate of your wife. Treat your wife right. He says, treat her with respect so that your prayer may be answered. So that your prayer will not be hindered. Many pastors, listen to me. I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ. You don't need to write me for advice. The Bible is clear. It will block your prayers. You won't be able to move. It's not just for the preacher. Many of you, you, you run a business. That business cannot grow. You have all these dreams. You're putting in the time. But you will not see the vision come to pass until you treat your spouse right. That's why I gave you the scripture. It's not your wife. It's the way you treat her. And nobody shouting today. Number three, it will block your happiness. Failure to deal with conflicts in your life. I say number one, it will do what? It will block your fellowship with God. Number two, it will block your prayers. Number three, it will mess your happiness up. I've seen people from the Hollywood. They're making millions. But if their relationship stinks, they're very unhappy. Are you still here? In other words, you can be famous. You can even be a celebrity. But if your relationship is not right, nothing else will matter. You can be running a business and making good money. But if you are out of line, if your relationship is full of unresolved conflicts, with your own family, then you are a failure. Yes, sir. How do you know that, brother pastor? Well, let me give you a scripture. That's all I know how to do. James chapter 3, verse 8. He says, those who are peacemakers, guess what they do? They plant seed of peace. And they reap harvest of goodness. They are blessed. 
It is a requirement, not a suggestion. So now I've got to tell you how to resolve it. I just want to tell you five ways, five steps, and I'm out of here. No funny jokes today. I'm mad at the devil. How do you resolve conflict? Brother Pastor, I see you now. Now tell me how we can fix it. Step number one, you have to make the first move. If you really want to resolve it. You don't look at the other person. You don't wait on the other person. You have to take the initiative. Some of you will say, Brother Pastor, you don't get it. I'm the victim here. The Bible is not talking about who is right, who is wrong. The Bible is trying to show you how you can resolve conflict in your life. The devil will tell you it's their fault. When they come to you, then you can resolve it. Then be willing to talk to them. No, guess what? That same devil will make sure they don't come to Because he wants to keep you divided. He wants to keep you out of fellowship with God. He wants to keep you unhappy. He wants to keep your prayers blocked. So guess who have to take the initiative? You. God said, make the first move. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. Jesus said, reconciliation in relationship is more important than you worship. Innocent. In other words, all your singing don't worth a dime. All my preaching doesn't worth one dime. The Bible said, if you come before the altar, but you have something against somebody, forget your praise and worship. Forget your praying. Forget your preaching. Go and first, the first thing you have to do is to resolve the conflict. You see, we read the Bible, but we don't pay attention to what we are reading. That's why some of you will come arguing on the way to church. And then you'll get the microphone. Then you wonder why Christians are living a defeated life. The Bible says if you come before the altar and you remember... That somebody has something against you, or you have something against them. He said, Leave even your offering. Shut down everything. First, go and fix that problem, and then come back and worship. Brother Pastor, can I do that at the end of the year? No. Now, 
right now. He said, go at once. Early in my marriage, I had to deal with that. I tried to avoid any debate, so I just sweep things under the rug. And the Lord has to teach me what I'm teaching you now. It would not work. It didn't work for me until I had to deal with that conflict. I have no sermon to preach until I'm right with my spouse, until I'm right with my children, until I'm right even with my co-workers. You see, if the truth be told, marriage is really interesting. It's like you have a skunk and then you have a turtle. Mm -hmm. All of you know skunks. When they get upset, they stink everything around them. Mm hmm. Some of you, when you get upset, the whole city can tell. Oh, I'm going to preach. I'm, I, you know I'm free. The Lord set me free. Say, just, just be free. Just be you. I had to do that in Jonesboro yesterday. I say, I just made up my mind. I'm going to do the will of God. And everybody else can do what they want to do. Tattoo has its own problem. When Tattoo is in a conflict, you know what he does? He, he, he gets in the shell and hide. Well, I had to tell you, in your relationship, somebody's a skunk and somebody's a Tattoo. I don't know which one is which. I ain't telling. Because I... I made up my mind I'm going to just be straight today. God wants us to deal with our problem. Amen. And do you notice that those who are stunks, they always marry a turtle? Don't look at your neighbor now. No, no, no. What I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, conflicts are never resolved by accident. It won't go away. Somebody must make the first move. I believe that's you. Amen. Another lie of the devil the devil will su suggest to many of us that time will heal. My brothers and my sisters, whose report you're going to believe? That's why I'm walking you through the scripture, taking my time to show you how you can be blessed. Jesus didn't preach too many sermons in the Bible. 
But this was one of his major ones. It was a long sermon. Just sharing with people, this is how you're going to be blessed. Of what good if we are singing Kumbaya every Sunday and nobody is doing well. And people dying before their time. That's not the will of God for us. So we have to expose the devil. Amen, somebody. It's not going to be healed by time. Time heals nothing. If you have cancer, you better go to the hospital. You can't say, I got cancer, I'm just going to sit down. And time will heal. You see, the devil is really not smart. Some of his lies are so simple to figure out. Can you imagine if you are wounded and you are bleeding? And then you say, well, I don't need to see no doctor. You're going to bleed to death. Time heals nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the same thing is true if you hold resentment. If you're angry and you have something in your heart, don't think time will heal that either. If time will heal, then why are you going to the doctor? The only way to resolve conflict is to face it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Deal with it. Do you know why people don't want to deal with their conflict? One word, fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of being misunderstood. Fear of having to, to deal with the reality of what you say can be used against you. Amen. In my own marriage, I can tell you there are four words that, I, that scare the daylight out of me every day. Only four words. See, I'm six feet two inches tall. That's a big man. 276 pounds. That's a lot of hamburger. But four words will knock me down every time I hear. And that's where Sister Elizabeth will come to me and say, we need to talk. Yes, they just tell me I done messed up. I don't know where. I don't. Just those four words will get me shaking in my pants as big as I am. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm suggesting to you, don't allow fear to stop you from resolving your conflict. One of the best time in my marriage, some of the best time is when we have peace conference. And just sit down and listen to one another. 
If you don't believe me, fear is a problem. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Notice Adam said, God was looking for him. Adam said, I heard you. But I was scared. And that's why I hid myself. Fear, fear, fear. Fear is what is hindering many of us from having to deal with the conflicts in our life. And since Adam got feared, men and women have been scared of one another since then. Till this day. When you are afraid, you become scared. Ladies and gentlemen, when you are afraid, the consequence is that you become distant from your loved ones. When you are afraid, when fear comes in, you become unusually demanding. And guess what? Then you become defensive. Good morning. Okay, okay. I thought this is the day the Lord has made it, but maybe I read the wrong page. Unusually demanding. You become distant. Ladies and gentlemen, you become defensive. Notice people who are insecure. People who are controlling. These are people. They are always defensive. They are always demanding. And they keep a distance. You see them when they want to eat and when they want to sleep. Ain't nobody shouting today. Where can you find courage to deal with conflicts in your life? Where can you find courage to deal with conflict with your spouse, with your children? Even with your parents, I found the secret. One of those secrets is love. If you truly love a person. I'm always amazed how people will come to me saying, Pastor, I don't know what, but I love that man. Well, if you truly love that man. then you would not live in fear. Because the Bible says, perfect love canceled out all fear. Another secret, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of the Holy Ghost. If you cannot handle it yourself, if you don't know what to do, what to say, go to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 say, God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he said what he has given us is power, love, and sound mind. So if it didn't come from God, 
you don't have to receive it. Step number two. Ask God for wisdom. What was step number one? Make the first move. Step number two. Ask God for wisdom. James chapter one verse five says, if anybody don't know what to do, if anybody lack wisdom, he say, ask God. Just say, Lord, help me. Help me. Give me wisdom to deal with this woman. Give me wisdom to deal with this man. Teach me what to say, when to say, how to say. Teach me in the right time. One of the things that we have used in my own marriage that worked for me because we've been together now 34 years. So I'm not just talking theories. I'm walking in this. And you got the witness right in front of you. If I'm lying, she will tell you. When you make that first move and you're going in wisdom of God, the first thing you do when you get together is to begin with your own fault. Not the other person's fault. Don't start with what the other person did. That's why it's never been working. Don't start with accusations. Don't start with blame games. Don't start with attacking the other person. Look at yourself. And then openly Share, confess your fault to one another. That's what the Bible says. And look at your man or look at your woman or, or your son or your daughter or your parents and say, I am sorry. There's something about the prodigal son. The Bible says he came to himself. Part of the problem is that we are too busy blaming others. Instead of accusing somebody, instead of making excuses for your mistake, find something that you can honestly look at your woman in the face and confess. The Bible says there are two causes of conflict. He said, number one, self-centeredness. Number two, the Bible talks about pride. It takes humility to go to your wife or your husband or your father and say, Father, I've messed up. I am sorry. Do you know it makes the heart of a parent to rejoice when they don't even have to point out what you did wrong? And you had enough sense to know what you did wrong and you fessed up. 
The Bible says, we are reading it, we just don't follow it. He who covereth his sins. What does the Bible say? That person will never prosper. You can sing all day. Oh, Lord, bless me. Oh, God, bless me. It won't happen. I've been there. I've lived in this. The Bible says, Anyone that covereth their sin will not prosper. But anybody that will confess it and forsake it, they will obtain mercy. I did not write the book. Too many of us, we're too full of ourselves. I want what I want. When I want it, how I want it, and then you want what you want, when you want it, where you want it, how you want it, and then when, when what you want bump with what I want, conflict. James chapter 4, oh, I got to stop. I was going to give you five. I only got to two. James chapter four, verse number one. He said, where does conflict come from? Where does quarrel come from? The Bible give it to you, the answer. He said, selfish desires. It's inside of you. It's inside of me. Do you know when you are at peace with yourself, you'll be at peace with others? Let that soak in. You say, Brother Pastor, why are we talking about this on Communion Sunday? I'm so glad you asked. Because the problem is that we've been full of religion, we have a form of godliness. But we never experience the power of God. Too many pastors, dysfunctional homes. Ladies and gentlemen, I repeat, Jesus came to deal with the conflict between you and me and God. He didn't sweep it under the rug. He didn't say, well, let's just leave it alone. Time will heal. He came and he died. Before he died, he suffered. If you really want to resolve conflict, you've got to be willing to confront that devil head on. Not only did he suffer and die, they buried him. But the Bible said, early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. I believe there's a resurrection for every relationship under the sound of my voice. The reason why he got up is so that you and me can get up. In every area of our life, 
We need to get up. We don't need to be preaching and be shouting and then the devil is having a field day with our children, with our relationship, with our businesses, on our job. How can you say you're born again but you don't get along with nobody on your job? The devil is, you're right. The devil is alive. I believe God for resurrection. How about you? Stand to your feet. I got to stop. I want us to pray for restoration. The Bible says everything the devil has stolen, everything the locusts, everything the conquer one, God said I will restore. I am a living witness of how God can restore your relationship. Ain't no shame in my game. It's good to be free. It's one thing to talk about freedom. It's another thing to be walking in it. God wants to free everyone under the sound of my voice. Jesus died so that you and me can be free. And then the word of God said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He lives inside of you. All we're trying to do is to activate. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that we can celebrate your resurrection. Thank you for every relationship under the sound of my voice. Thank you that there is hope for every one of us. Somebody need a breakthrough in their relationship right now. Conflict with children. Conflict with spouse. Conflict with business partners. Father, I pray that you will touch us right now. I pray, oh God, that same power that raised you from the dead. I pray for resurrection of marriages, resurrection of relationships, resurrection of families coming back together. In the name of Jesus, I cover you with the blood of Jesus. It shall be well with you. It shall be well with me. It shall be well with every one of us. I pray God will build an edge of protection around your family, around your children, around your spouse, around your home in the name of Jesus Christ. It is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
It's time for the Holy Communion. 